Welcome back to another episode of Mind Your Peas, the show where we talk about the all-important peas in business, people, purpose, philanthropy, passion, you know the drill. Today we've got a really exciting guest for you. James Routledge is the co-founder of Sanctus, an organisation which provides mental health coaching for workplaces. He's also a best-selling author and his book Mental Health at Work is doing really, really well. It's a great read. And he's here to tell us about his journey as an entrepreneur. James, it's, it's brilliant to have you here. Um, t- tell me a bit about starting your own business during university and the kind of challenges you faced. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, straight in, yeah, gosh, you're taking me back, taking me back almost 10 years now. Um, I didn't massively think about it too much. I think I went to university, bored, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself and kind of got the bug of entrepreneurship and got quite excited about, yeah, kind of creating my own work, basically. Um, I, I, yeah, just didn't even think that was possible growing up. I didn't really know anyone entrepreneurial or know anyone that ran a business. So the idea that in this new world, I could create a product, sell the product, and then create a life for myself off the back of it kind of captivated me, I suppose. And yeah, became pretty, pretty obsessed and entrenched in the startup world after that. And yeah, learned a lot. And uh, that first business didn't, didn't go so well, but uh, yeah, certainly don't regret giving it a go at uni. And did you drop out of uni, James, to, to, to kind of focus on that role? Ended up dropping out. Yeah. But basically the way it worked is that me and George, who I met at uni who, and we became really good friends. We, you know, we had an idea, we started something and we, we met a couple of other co-founders from the computer science department. So it was quite a sort of fairy tale startup story really. And we got offered some investment. And then we basically like basically took what was at the time a placement year from university, but for our own, for what, for our own venture pretty much. And then, yeah, just kind of, you know, kept deferring and kept deferring. And then actually, even when I shut that business down, I had the the kind of chance to go back to university, but I felt like I'd, I'd got all the education I needed to be honest. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't consider going back. James, I've read quite a few of your um, articles and your posts on LinkedIn. And one thing that strikes me about you is your is your honesty. Is that something that comes natural or something that you've learned? Um, I mean, it feels really natural now. Yeah, like I think to to sat, kind of like sit on this podcast, for example, and you know, kind of blag my way through it and and put up a front would would feel really unnatural now. And I think actually being sort of honest and just like myself and sort of fairly down to earth is is kind of how I want to be at my core. Yeah, I think when I first got into business and into startups, I didn't think that was welcome. Like I didn't think you you were supposed to be like that. I thought you were supposed to be prim and proper and um, present a certain facade. So I think I unnaturally... I was I wouldn't necessarily say I was a liar and I was deceitful and I was dishonest but I put up more of a front and more of a facade and yeah I suppose I had to unlearn that 
and then go back to myself <laughs> and then actually probably for the last sort of five six years yeah i've been um you know what a lot of people do say is like refreshingly honest and and you know i try and sort of share my story and my journey with startups and just my life in general with with as much honesty and candor as i can because actually it's not the default even though i think it's the default in all of us it's not the default in the you know the working world or just the world in general so i i find it quite um rewarding to to write like that and i find it a much easier <laughs> healthier way to to just be and and live my life as well to be fair really like the the healthier part of that statement james because i come from an era where you know i was told by my parents that you can't let anyone know you can't let the neighbors know if you fail at something you can't let the friends know and and um, sometimes I think that causes much more problems in terms of health and mental health and happiness and having to hide things that actually you're okay chatting about with friends, but feeling just feeling that pressure from the outside circle really. Um, and you you started three business and talk about one that's failed. And you know we hear this a lot that that the most successful people have had to fail once, twice, three, four times until they they get the thing. Is is that how you feel? yeah I, th I think failure i mean any success is 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 riddled with with plenty of failure anyway like i think you have to fall to fall a hundred times to kind of cross the finish line or, or whatever the metaphor or analogy is so i think it's really important i think in entrepreneurship and sort of small businesses it's especially important um because you know if you don't try you'll you'll never get something going um i think the fear of failure holds a lot of people back and actually for me you know even even though i, I went on to start an, another business after my first one even just just the thought of failure really really frightened me and actually to be honest with my first business i think if i really opened up more and not done what you described uh, a second ago and, and sort of kept a brave face and kept up appearances probably would have failed sooner and failed faster which would have been better for me and, and probably better for for other people as well so yeah I, th I think just creating like um, a welcoming culture around both risk taking and failure is just just really important and i don't think we're that good at it in in british culture just in general, because um, I think failure goes all the way down to just taking risks in general, whether that risk might be starting a business or that risk might just be like, you know, someone just pursuing like something they're passionate about. I think often in like kind of like working class British culture, we're quite quick to put people down or like not let people get outside their box. And, and that's quite, that is quite unhealthy, I think, and quite, and quite stifling so i think failure and taking risks is really important and it takes a lot of bravery a bit of courage and and also hopefully a supportive community around you that really embrace that but but not everyone not everyone's got that yeah that's that's um resonates i think when i go through the sort of tough times and you know worry about 
are we going to have enough money to pay the wages and all those scary things? You know, a lot of my friends will say, why don't you just go and get a proper job? And then you don't have to worry about that. You know, it's it's quite a common um, common response um, is to just, just go and get a proper job, you know, not like the one that really stresses you out. And you, you talk a lot um, about business misalignment, like, you know, working for a business that necessarily doesn't align with your values. Is that what happened to you? And, and how did you know? Sorry, can I just say proper job makes me laugh so much. I just thought, what is a proper job? It's just so funny. I hear that one all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, like I think a proper job is what? Just something that's completely risk-free and like, you know, but that doesn't exist, does it? Like, I'm sure everyone probably feels like, or a lot of people feel like they could be more fulfilled or, or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that. I suppose that, yeah, that leads, leads me on to, yeah, I think I... I think in my first business, you know, it was born out of like, not a desperation, but just a desire to start something. I think that that was really what I wanted. I didn't necessarily feel connected to the mission or the purpose or the problem that that first business was solving. I'll be honest, it kind of could have been anything. Like I think what I was what I was passionate about was just I want to do something like I want to start something and I we I, we really just committed to the first idea that came to our head to to our heads to be honest, I mean and also I, I was I was twenty at the time so I really had no idea really who I was what I valued what I was passionate about what gave me energy so I, so I really didn't know myself that well like I didn't you know, like many young 20 year old lads, I suppose, I, I liked going out at the weekend and spending time with my mates. And I, I didn't really have many other like passions or interests. So, you know, when you talk about connection to values in that first business, I wanted to know what my values were or, or what my passions or interests were. And then two, the company I started, I wasn't connected to. So it was like a bit of a double whammy, really. And I didn't know that at the time, but it, it probably took me a couple of years to just realize, like, you know, what I'm doing isn't fulfilling me. Yes, I've got the label of entrepreneur and yes, I've I'm running a business and I can I'm in the startup scene, which is what kind of where I wanted to be. But, you know, truthfully, I'm not I'm not enlivened by what I'm working on, like it's not filling me up. Um, and again, I only found that out through trying and through reflection and through looking back and, and with hindsight, really. And then when I was sort of in the wake of that, shutting down that first business, that's when I started to kind of explore who I was and, and, and really do some like quite deep reflection on on myself. And, and I suppose, interestingly, the uh the vehicle for that was then the second company i started sanctus and that was in the mental health space so my my second business sanctus was very very intertwined actually with my own kind of self-reflection and exploration but um yeah i think you know personally like now and now i know enough about myself you know work is a big part of my life and i suppose uh, and and you know, I really identify with what I create and what I make. So I really, I really only really want to work on stuff that like aligns with, you know, what I care about in the world and 
how I want to be and how I want to show up and how I want to relate with people and the impact I want to have. So personally, like I wouldn't really want to work on anything else because that's where I get a lot of my purpose from. I'm really excited to to hear more about about Sanctus and and the work you're doing there. So I'll come I'll come back to that if that's okay, James. But I'm I'm, I'm also keen to understand about what you do like. So what you know, how do you know what your strengths are? Like you talked about doing some deep work, and I've been doing some some of that recently, and um, struggle to identify what I'm good at without asking other people mm. who who tell me what they think I'm good at and and sometimes there's there is a there's a misalignment with with what I think I'm good at and what they they think I suppose but you know, so how do you know and then and then on top of that you, you talked about you, you you were a CEO and you moved away from that you got someone else in mm. to run as a CEO is that right was that is that the reason why because you you did some deep work on what your strengths are what you enjoy what you don't enjoy yeah i think there was a couple of stages of it for me so i think that sort of first stage of my career like 20 to 25 i had no idea what i was good at like i i think i was just good at like doing stuff i think that's why i would describe like i was just i sort of just kind of prided myself on just like giving anything a go basically which is which is definitely a good trait you know just like really not being afraid to to get my, you know, to dive in and, and get my hands dirty and, you know, sort of buy anything off and, and, and give it a go. Um, and I certainly developed some skills that I was good at sort of executing on. Yet back to that first question, when I reflected and I thought to myself, do I really enjoy this? Um, yeah, I might have been good at it, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. Like, actually, I, I think I'm really good at raising investment. Like, I'm pretty good at courting investors and pitching and presenting. And that's a skill that is extremely valuable. Yet, it wasn't always something I enjoyed or that, that sort of gave me energy. I didn't necessarily always like the the sort of investment scene and, and the, the power dynamics of that. And it didn't always make me feel good. So yeah, I think the stuff that I was good at, but there was also stuff that I didn't necessarily like. And then there was probably stuff that I thought I was absolutely rubbish at, but I really loved. And coming into starting Sanctus, like, you know, for years I, I'd cut off this creative side to myself. I'd never let myself play or create or draw and, um, you know, when I, when I sort of let myself explore that, you know, I ended up creating the Sanctus brand and I ended up drawing the logo myself and, uh, and doing this like really sort of creative, you know, branding exercise that I just had no idea that I was any good at. And, and then I like to think I'm, I'm decent on, on the sort of brand and marketing side. And that's just actually something I do love. And I think I'm also quite good at, so I suppose I found some alignment there. Um, I think on the the CEO um, stories, bit of a bigger story, really, I suppose, like, you know, started Sanctus, got the boot, kind of bootstrap the business with, with relatively little investment to, you know, to a couple of million in revenue and a, and a decent team and, and a well-established sort of customer base. So yeah like did what i'd always wanted to do really like i actually had a impactful business that worked and found Period. myself what was that you from start up to that two million revenue in the team um 
three years, three, four years. Um, I mean, the first couple of years, we just grew like really quickly, like really organically. Um, and, and yeah, and you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, like I've got, you know, <laughs> this works, you know, there's a, rather than before in my first business where we were always kind of trying and slogging it to like make it work and find product market fit and, and you know, I was always like looking for it. I remember me and that team in the first business, we'd always say, oh, we're ne we've nearly found it. And like with Sanctus, it was just like, no, like this is it. Like it, it works and, and we're doing something good and we're doing something impactful and, you know, people want it and, and we're having a big impact on the world and, you know, we're making money and, and we're paying people and yeah, just, it kind of worked and it flowed and yeah, just kind of then found myself by default as the CEO. I think that just happens. You know, I started the business. Obviously, uh, you know, George was a George was a co-founder, but I think because it was my initial drive, like I just by default was was the CEO, and you know, ended up doing a lot of tasks that I didn't necessarily enjoy, like you know, managing people, you know, running a leadership team, structuring a company thinking about you know all important stuff by the way you know thinking about pay and performance and um you know what our culture might be like and and just how we would organize and operate ourselves and um how we fund the business and what's the strat what's the sort of five-year strategy going to be and it, it it became less creative i suppose just just through the nature of scaling it, it's not quite as it's probably a creative challenge to some people but i didn't I didn't get as excited by it. So yeah, just, just felt like I had this dream job on paper that I'd always wanted, but uh, just wasn't, just wasn't lighting me up. Like I was just pretty like, I was pretty depressed to be honest. Like didn't really want to get up and go to work. Um, obviously I was, I was dragging myself there cause I was needed then. I was in a pivotal role and um, you know, it was, a startup so you you're always <laughs> you're always struggling like there's always problems um but but you know i really wasn't that happy like i really wasn't enjoying my job um and i had a lot of guilt about that you know i felt really confused like wait there this is everything i've wanted but now i'm not enjoying it like kind of had this voice in my head it was like who do you think you are james like you know you should be loving it because you're so lucky and a lot of people would bite their hand off for what you've got. So, yeah, really kind of confusing and weird period that, um, you know, that that the conclusion was actually I I accepted, you know, I suppose myself accepted what I do like doing and what I don't like doing, and, and made the decision to step away from being the CEO and um and slowly handing over the reins of to the business really, which yeah which i'm kind of off the back of now and, and i don't regret it all i think it was the right thing for me the right thing for sanctus and, and the right thing for all involved to be honest yeah it's um it's so interesting i just had this exact conversation last week with with my um my kind of mentor coach and we've got an advisory board and it is just that default position where you become a ceo and you have to do all this stuff and actually you know the stuff that I love is is talking to people like you. It's getting out there. It's sharing the work of our mission and our brand, and 
who we are and what we're here to do in the world and there's probably that much time to do that and 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 everything else has to has to be has to be done so i really really resonate with that and so what happened then what what is your role now in sanctus and do you have a ceo yes yeah, so it's been a i suppose it's been like a there's been like a couple of phases to to the transition and and i say this now with a lot of hindsight i think in the moment this probably all sounds quite like well packaged up but i think in the moment i was just kind of bundling along and and figuring it out i think the, i think if i look back it kind of looks like quite a well managed transition but in the moment it felt quite emotional for me at least anyway and i was kind of just doing the next thing um but yeah it started off with i suppose that with those initial feelings of you know i've got everything i wanted but i'm not enjoying this that much then you know reached out to like mentors advisors just other friends other founders other peers and and just shared how i was feeling and and what was going on um and did find that yeah as you've shared like there were a lot of people feeling the same and i, I didn't I obviously felt less alone then so that was as a good start and then over the course of about a year yeah ended up transitioning and bringing in a full-time ceo so chris joined the business and then i stayed with sanctus full-time all through last year um basically my role was just like titled founder um and i was you know still in the team day to day um you know i was out raising investment and, and fundraising i was doing lots of public facing stuff um, which, you know, which I'm really good at. And I'm, I'm, I think as the founder, like always the best person really to be, to be telling the story of, of the brand and talking about the mission or at least one of the best for the business. And then, um, and then I was also setting up like a new kind of part of Sanctus that we were, that we're trying out. I suppose I was given like a bit of freedom to, to have a, a special, special project. So I created this online journaling community. And then, yeah, over the course of last year, basically, we, we ended up raising um, some private equity investment. And, and at that point, you know, that was a big part of what I was doing full time. So really, I was left with kind of just the public facing stuff, really. Um, and that's where I've got to now. So um, as I sit here now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not part of the team day to day. You know, I'm not, I'm not on Slack um you know i'm not um yeah i'm not on the ground like i'm not operational uh, i'm on the board um and i've got a part-time um yeah well you call it part-time i wouldn't even call it part-time to be honest i've got a board role that in my contract is part-time but to be honest i just feel like i'm doing kind of what i've always done without doing everything that i've always had to do <laughs> so um you know i still do like i'm still here now still talk about sanctus you know I'll, i've i'm the author of a mental health book so i'm 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 there with that um you know i'm on the board kind of protecting the values and the vision and the interests of the business and our people and our wider impacts i'm i just don't have an operational role so i think it's 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 a it's a path quite well traveled to be honest i mean i've I've essentially gone into like what you'd call a non-exec role really a, a non-exec director role and that's where i've wound up um 
which... And are you happy that you've wound up there? Um, I am now, yeah. I am now. It's still a bit weird. Like, I'm still I'm still adjusting. I'll be honest, I didn't expect to. I, you know, I, I, I had a... There was a long time. Like if you'd have spoken to me, you know, two, three years ago, the vision I had for my life was that I would be like, you know, I'd be like sort of Richard Branson of Sanctus. You know, it's like, I'll be Sanctus, you know, forever. And Sanctus will be this like creative vehicle that allows me to spin out like multiple different, you know, we'll have Sanctus weddings and Sanctus music and Sanctus coaching and Sanctus, you know, Sanctus, you know, all these different, and that may well still happen, but um, yeah, I, I certainly thought like I would, I would be kind of Mr. Sanctus forever. Um, so I suppose I am a little bit surprised that it's wound up this way, um, but but certainly happier uh, in in truth. Yeah, certainly happier. I've obviously gone through a bit of like a grieving stage, um, and it's strange to have such a different relationship with with kind of a business that I was like so incredibly um, close to. But yeah, feel feel pretty good right now anyway. You know, uh, lots of free space, essentially like kind of having a bit of a year out really. Obviously, I'm still connected and engaged with, with Sanctus stuff probably a day, a couple of days a week. And then other than that, I'm just kind of resting <laughs> until, I, until I figure out what next. Yeah, and is... is... You know, is there any sort of advice or tips that you you would have for business leaders who might be struggling to let go of certain areas of the business because they think they should be doing it? Mm. I think uh, I think the first the first step that was really supportive for me was you know was reaching out for help, which is you know that's not even a cliche. Like it it sounds really obvious. But I think it was also like the right help. I think there were probably times when I unfairly um, shared my experiences with the team. And I just think that was too much to put on them. You know, like, I, you know, to expect our team who were already working incredibly hard to then also manage my uncertainty as well. I do, I do think is a bit un- is unfair so i think reaching out for support from people who were equipped and who were able and who are fairly impartial i think to support just you who don't have an who don't necessarily have a vested interest in you or the business is is really important um because they can just help you make that decision for, for you um without thinking all oh, like you know i want to make sure um you know, Caroline stays in that role because actually it's good for me. You know, you, you, you know, speaking to someone that's just you, that's why coaching's great therapy, mentoring, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever talking therapy you want to go for, um, all excellent. And then I think the other thing was finding like peers, um, who just, just had either gone through or were going through the same thing. Like, I kind of found like a small network of founders that at the same time were going through almost the exact same transition and just felt less like kind of less crazy, you know, like I think when you're going through any difficult period 
we can all create stories in our head about how it's just us. We're the only ones going through it, you know, and, and it's, it's rarely true. So I think reaching out for help from people that, you know, are there just for you and then finding that peer, um, you know, peer network for me, they were the two, there's lots of detail in it, but I think they were the two most crucial pieces of support that kind of helped get me to, um, get me to, to this, the, the place of acceptance and letting go, I think was key. Um, yeah. Powerful. Yeah. It's really powerful. And so tell us about Sanctus then. Um, what is it? What do you do? Who do you do it for? Well, I mean, so the business all started off the back of my own personal experiences with mental health. So I talked a little bit about this first business that I started, ended up shutting that down when I was, I was 25 and really knocked me to be honest, to the point of, 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 you know, really feeling pretty broken. Um, I felt, felt really a whole mix of emotions. I felt really embarrassed. I felt kind of ashamed. I was, I was struggling with this failure label. Um, and I was extremely uncertain about what I was going to do with my life, you know, 25, no money, no degree, a load of experiences that everyone kept telling me were great, but you know, and I had this network of people I'd met in the startup world, but I had nothing tangible to show for this, you know, for this four year endeavor I'd been on. So I was feeling really um, anxious. I was feeling pretty low and that started to kind of show up in my life more visibly. I started to have panic attacks, you know, just, just, just really feeling like kind of all over the place. And I didn't spin off the rails by any stretch, but you know, I was rather than dealing with my issues, I was, I was doing my best to avoid them. Like I was, you know, I was going out the weekend, having a good time with my mates, um, and just kind of covering it up, you know, just, just kind of covering up how I felt. I wasn't, I wasn't processing those emotions. I was just pushing them down and just in general, like I, I just had absolutely no idea how to deal with my emotions or even acknowledge them or articulate them. It's just not how I'd grown up. It's not what I was used to. So yeah, so I just had this big problem with my mental health basically, and I wanted to solve it for myself. And I thought if I can kind of, if I can change how I see mental health and I can find a way for me to kind of essentially change and grow and feel better, then maybe I can, I can also do that for other people. So I started sharing my story, started writing about mental health and, and through that brought together this community of people that were really all moving towards the same thing, which was like, you know, let's, treat our mental health like we treat our physical health let's be proactive about it let's talk about it um you know and let's create this community that can be compassionate and kind and honest and brave and 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 really change this stigmatized perception of mental health into something that's light and positive and exciting even and and that's the mission of, of sanctus it's to you know it's to take us away from purely reacting to you know, how we feel and our difficult emotions and move us into a, um, you know, an environment and approach to our mental health and our well-being that is, you know, we all have mental health all the time, every day. 
our environment impacts us our relationship impacts us and you know and and then we we through our product which is one-to-one coaching we make it easy for people to talk to someone about what's going on in their life and, and work through some of those challenges so you know that could be i'm a new manager and i've never managed anyone before and i'm like completely stressed out uh it could be you know i'm having difficulties with my relationship at home and it's affecting me and my work it could be um yeah it could be a million and one things that that we all face in our life and i suppose what we're doing is is making it okay making it normal and hopefully making it easy for people to have a space and someone uh professional to to have that conversation with and and move through that and ultimately i suppose you know change and and become more of yourself in your life um and it's it's really poignant i think that you're offering this to employers to support their employees to get the coaching and the and the mental health support that they need. And, and a bit like, you know, we, we obviously provide um, an employee volunteering solution. So we manage that service for, for the SME community yeah. and beyond. And there's a real um, there's a real connection around, you know, um, volunteering and giving to someone else expecting nothing in return that in turn improves mental health is that something that you agree with yeah i would say so i think it's interesting i think personally before i um sort of did more reflection on myself i would i would say i was pretty individualist um in in how i my outlook on the world i think i had this kind of mentality of like you know if i can do it anyone else can sort of thing like i didn't i would definitely wouldn't describe myself as charitable or um or overly sort of compassionate either to to be honest with you and i think the more work i've done on myself through coaching and through therapy i think that's massively massively boosted my empathy to you know, to levels that aren't even comparable to where I was. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say I've done loads and loads of um, volunteering and, and and charitable work. Um, I've done some, though, in the last five years, which is definitely more than I'd done before that. Um, and I think it's, for me, it's valuable in, in, yeah, loads of different ways. I think perspective on the world um, is a big one feeling grateful for what you've got um and and yeah feeling like you're contributing and 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 helping and helping someone else so yeah lots of lots of benefits i'm pleased you've had those experiences because it's not as you say it's not something that i did at the start of my career either and i spent 18 years not doing stuff and then found out actually the kind of the, well, the David White quote is that the antidote to stress and exhaustion isn't necessarily rest; it's wholeheartedness. And actually, you know, doing some of that stuff is is where you get that buzz from. And listen, congratulations on the book. It, so it includes advice on um, talking comfortably about mental health and focusing on early intervention prevention. Is is it your experiences that led you to write the book? And was that a cathartic process? Yeah. I- the way I describe the book is it's everything I've learned in the last sort of five, six years, to be honest, like I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a neuroscientist or a psychologist. Like six years ago, like if you asked me how I felt, I would have mumbled. I'm fine. Probably 
So, yeah. you know, like I feel like I've learned a lot and, and about how to talk about not only how I feel, but also how to create the right environment for other people to feel comfortable and safe talking about their mental health through Sanctus. You know, we've, we've, we've coached thousands and thousands of people. We've worked with hundreds of companies, you know, we've seen the good and the bad and the ugly, all this stuff about like what makes a workplace feel like a community, feel like a place people belong and what makes, um, you know, people feel safe to not just talk about when I say talk about their mental health, I don't just, again, I don't just mean talk about when they feel sad or bad, but what helps people really bring all of themselves into the workplace, like what helps people talk about their faith or, you know, their background, their heritage, all this, all these different diverse parts of who we are. So, um, yeah, really the books just is a, is a bit of that really, you know, it's about one, how you can feel more comfortable talking about mental health, how you can be an activist in this mental health movement that, that's going on. Um, how you can have conversations with people, and then it's got a load of case studies um, from businesses that that I think are, are doing this they're doing this really well. Um, so yeah, it was a massively cathartic exercise to be honest, because it was I wrote the book as I was going through that transition, kind of out of the business basically, and it was a chance for me to kind of reflect on everything I'd learned and, and realise there was a lot <laughs> in there and a lot of good stuff. So. Um, yeah, I suppose it, I suppose it helped to, um, I suppose what I don't, I don't say this a lot, but it, it kind of helped me to close out the Sanctus chapter. Actually, I think a lot of people saw the book and thought, oh, like, you know, uh, maybe James will sort of kick on now to be like this kind of Simon Sinek of, you know, mental health and, and, and actually, to be honest, it, it was a bit more of a closing of a chapter for me. I've, I've been able to write everything I've learned and, and share it with the world. And yeah, it's it's not been a global bestseller, but it's a book that I, I think when people read it, they find it valuable and impactful and, and helpful, which is which is all I wanted. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on that book. I think you're, you're, you're an Amazon bestseller in three different categories, James, so we'll be sure to um, to mention that and, <laughs> and share it. And so are you still in Stoke? Yeah, I'm back in Stoke. Yeah, I've been in Stoke. I grew up in Stoke um, and then left for university and never came, kind of never came back other than, you know, seeing my family. And then I've been here since November. How, um, what would your family be most proud of? Oh, sorry. I think we were just, we lost each other then for a second. Sorry. I was just saying, and so you're, 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 you were brought up in Stoke, you're, you're back there. And, and what would your family be most proud of? James? Oh. Um, oh, that's a good one. I think I'd like to think anyway. Obviously, you know, there's there's been some sort of tangible and and material achievements. You know, Sanctus has had a positive impact on a, on a lot of people, um, and has definitely been part of the changing tide in mental health in the UK. Like I, I'm certain of that. I'm, I don't think any of us who've been in the mental health space could could put our hands up and say, I did it, you know, I changed 
how we all talk about mental health in this country. It's been a it's been a big collective effort by all of us and it's been a it's been a movement, but I really I feel like I've been part of that and yeah, I've I know that people are sort of pleased and, and proud of, of of my involvement there. Um and the and the book as well is obviously a really nice um yeah, it's a really brilliant achievement. Um, and you know, for my family, that's the, you know, the Routledge name is on a penguin book. That's kind of cool, but I'd like to think that, you know, my family still, still think I'm the same James and that, you know, that's, I suppose that's what I'd hope that they'd be, uh, proud of that. You know, I've not, I've obviously changed a bit, but I've, I've, I've sort of still, I'm still like connected to where I'm from. I've not kind of like forgotten you know my my roots um you know you can you can grow and change but um yeah i personally think it's important and really grounding for me to remember you know that like at the end of the day i'm I'm from stoke like it's uh you know it's it's uh it's parts of it that are a poor place um and it's a place that that needs i do think needs some help um you know, and, and this is where I'm from, like this city shaped me and, and I'm a product of it. So yeah, I'd like to think that, that they're proud that I've sort of, yeah, I've not forgotten that and I'm still, I'm still grounded. What's, what's next for you, James? What's on the horizon? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm getting, well, the most important thing is that I'm getting married in April. So that's. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And then. Uh, me and my well wife at that point, which sounds really strange. Um, yeah, gonna gonna have like have a bit of a break together, do some do some traveling together, and yeah. Other than that, I don't I really don't know. Like I've not you know I've not got a new business hatched in my head. Um, obviously, want to still stay connected to Sanctus and support where I can there in, in our next our next phase of growth, but genuinely like genuinely don't know and i'm kind of trying to keep it that way for as long as possible really um i was gonna say that's quite exciting yeah i think if i could if i could like rest and and get back to just feeling really energized again um that'd be that'd be really good (laughs) to be honest like it's sanctus has been six years and then before that four so you know 10 years of of startups is is pretty intense so i think just yeah if i can just kind of recalibrate from that and just get some new experiences i think and some new perspectives as well um and i suppose just just take a different look at the world i think like it's really it's been really good getting out of london and and coming back to stoke um i think in london you can get a bit of a london bubble and a London look on the world and um yeah the world's a big place and there are a lot of there are a lot of problems a lot of challenges a lot of injustices that yeah that need need people to sort of give them a go and 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 you know there'll be other areas that are like mental health that need that movement that need that energy so that's kind of what I'm looking for but I'm I'm going to try and not look too hard yeah absolutely and just just finally James what is so what's your prediction for um, the workplace? What I mean by that is you talk about this profound shift 
in the employer and employee dynamic, um, which which we've all experienced, you know, the, the sort of the great resignation talk and what it means yeah. to be an employee these days. What's what's your sort of predictions for the workplace in, in sort of five years time? And, and, and I suppose what can what can employers, leaders, CEOs, businesses do to get ready for that? Yeah, I think I think we're still at the start. So I think that's my that's the first thing, you know, I think the great, you know, the great resignation, the great awakening, whatever you want to call it. I personally think it's not even the beginning. Like I don't even think I think we're at the beginning beginning of the beginning. Like um, you know, I think this this whole awakening for people of what makes me happy, what feel, what fulfills me, what gives me energy has barely begun and i think as people um go on that journey of you can call it enlightenment you can call it awakening you can call it consciousness mental health well-being whatever you want to call it as people go on that the the sort of groundswell of change is going to be massive i think we've seen some early change in people leaving jobs which is pretty bold you know and a lot of people are leaving jobs without having another job lined up which is not something that ever used to happen I think and I really hope we will see more people start businesses with social missions at the core. So I think that's going to happen a lot. Um, I think businesses that don't have social missions at their core are going to struggle to attract talent uh, unless they pay a lot of money, basically, and more money than what they're paying now. Um, I think my long-term prediction is that the very structures of business themselves will start to be challenged so ownership how companies are governed how people make decisions you know we're still living in this very um kind of industrial and victorian type of businesses right um you know where it's board of directors who own the business and then everyone else essentially works for them right and i think as people kind of i suppose just progress and 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 the the change that i see us going on i think that the very sort of shape of businesses is really going to be challenged and i really don't know how that's going to look but that's my sense like um yeah i just i just think people are getting you know the word woke is there for a reason like people are getting wise to you know okay so i work for this company they pay me x a year but i bring in this much for them and you know i think i just think people are getting it's so much more transparent now like they know who they work for and it's like wait there why is like you know ben making all the money from my hard work and so i really think ownership is gonna gonna become quite challenging um i don't and i just don't know what the response to that's going to be but that's my prediction i think you know people changing jobs people leaving jobs and then ultimately like people challenging just this the status quo of how businesses how they function completely and and the employee ownership has um of businesses and the change towards that i suppose has has been really um has been a really interesting shift in the last couple of years for sure um, James, just one more question that we'll, Caitlin will tie, tie back into earlier, but I read an article which really resonated with me that you wrote, James, about purpose and this whole, um, I need to find my purpose in life, mm. my business oh, yeah. needs to know what its purpose is, the core purpose, and do I really need to know 
and is it a load of bollocks or is it uh, is it actually a real thing and it really resonated because you know our our mind your peas uh, podcast and articles are all about purpose people philanthropy profit and so on and a lot of business leaders i've spoken to many many say that if you have if you understand what your purpose is and you're very clear on that a bit like what you've described around having a a mission a social mission at the core then the people will follow that is that something that you you believe and and can can everyone get clear or clearer on their purpose i do believe that so that that's the first thing i, I do definitely and, and for a business and for a leader and for a founder and entrepreneur you know having that crystal clear clarity and conviction on on what you're here to do is is fundamental absolutely fundamental um i think what what i struggle with is that the narrative around purpose has kind of gone so far that i feel like there's this mounting pressure for everyone to find their purpose and and basically what that is code for is have a job that you really like Re really that's what it's become code for like on the whole linkedin feed you know you see the word purpose usually it's like you know it'll be a, a career coach or uh, you know or someone uh, in that space and it's all about basically get a job you love and and I just like, I just, I, I worry with this narrative because I think what it subtly implies is that like, well, if you don't, you know, have a purpose, AKA have a job that's really good and that you love, that, that you're like, you're nothing and you're meaningless. And I just, I just like, don't agree with that. And, you know, for me, that's caused a lot of problems in my life where I've, I've over identified so much with my work that when my work's been bad, I've felt bad or when my work's not been fulfilling, I felt completely unfulfilled. And I think I've done a lot of work in my life to find purpose in other areas of my life, well beyond my work. Um, yeah. Cause I just think this, the narrative that's been implied is like, you know, make sure you've got a purpose in your work or your life is meaningless basically, which I just think is yeah. so, I just think it's, it's, it's kind of toxic to be honest because the people, for certain people, yeah, like if you want to start a business, be an entrepreneur, you know, create something, yeah, probably you do need to have a deep connection to what you're working on. But actually, you know, we would hope that most people would have some connection to their work, but it doesn't need to be front and center in, in everyone's life. You know, you might feel really connected to, I mean, the classic people talk about, and I, I, it's a stereotype, being a mother, being a father, uh, being a good friend, you know, you might do volunteering outside of your outside of your day job. Your day job pays the bills, and actually, you do like it, but you don't like all of it. But the thing that really gets you going is that you go litter picking every Saturday, Sunday morning in a local area, and it's like the best thing that you do. Yeah, maybe eventually you'll be a full time litter picker, and that'll be your job. But maybe you won't. So yeah, I do have a bit of a problem with it because I think it's just um it's kind of been monopolized in a way that word and i think it, it creates a lot of pressure for people yeah and I, I suppose it's linked to what what success means to you and you know the question of are you successful 
Um, and when I've asked people that in the past, James, they'll talk in financial terms automatically. And, that, mm -hmm. and that's what, that's front and front and centre. The people they most admire are the ones who've been the most financially successful. Whereas actually I'm seeing a shift in these conversations, which is, well, well, success to me is about, am I happy with who I am as a person and in the relationships I've built, a bit like what you've just described in the purpose space. Um, you know, do, do I feel successful in my relationships and, and can I do more to be a better mother, father, sister, brother, daughter, wife, whatever yeah. it might be. So what does success mean to you, James? Well, it's, in, it, it's interesting, the money piece, right? Because I think, you know, to quote Kanye West, you know, money isn't everything, but not having it is. And I think when, when you've got enough, it's easy to say that money's not, um, it's quite a privilege to say that, you know, money isn't success. And I, I think I'm, I can say that now, I think, you know, I, I do have enough and, um, you know, so I don't, I'm not chasing more that that's not a success for me. And it never has been to be fair. Um, I think success for me though is, is impact, um, re really, to be honest, uh, when I think about a, a sort of professional success, um, if I think about, you know, my life, you know, I think about sort of just feeling at peace and kind of feeling content, I suppose, to be honest, and, and just feeling, yeah, not so much happy, but just, just content and like feeling like I've got enough and I'm where I'm meant to be. But I think if I think sort of professionally about what I'd like to create, um, yeah, it's quite clear for me it's, it's impact, um, you know, it, it's impacting people's lives, helping people, um, kind of touching, you know, touching as many people as possible. So, uh, yeah, imp impact for me. Um, I mean, you could have a long conversation on what impact is. Um, I think there are sort of different degrees of it, but yeah, some sort of social impact, I would say. Love it. James, thank you. This is, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Um, the boy from Stoke has, has done good in terms of the, the conversation and, and it's just, yeah, it's been really great. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. If this episode was a P, I think it would be permission. And by that, I mean giving yourself permission to make decisions that are right for you and your happiness. Even if that means sometimes doing the opposite of what might people think you should do or tell you is the right thing to do. And I just love how honest James is with himself when actually that's a really tricky thing to do in practice. Is there anything you've felt like it's been hard to give yourself permission to do? Let us know on Twitter at SGConnect1. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Until next time.